Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. We are starting a two-part series, so it's not long at all. It's just this week and next week that's called Direction and Decisions. Direction and Decisions. And it's built around this idea that if we're still alive, God's not done with us. You know that, right? If, if we still have air in our lungs, then God is not finished with us. The goal of the Christian life is that the longer we would live, that we live, the more like Jesus we become. And so the goal is today, we'd look more like Jesus than yesterday, that this week we'd look more like Jesus than last week, that this year more than, you get what I'm saying, right? The goal is the longer we live, the more like Jesus we become. So we're asking this question. We're asking the question, well, how do we grow up? Right? If God's not done with us, if God is hoping and helping and prodding for us to grow up spiritually, how do we do that? What does that look like? And essentially, we came down to two things. There's a lot of things that God uses to help us grow up, but there's two things I really think are foundational. Direction, who we're listening to, where, where we're finding the compass of our life, direction, and then based on that direction, what are we doing with it? How are we making Decisions. Those two go hand in hand. And so it's two parts. And so this week we're talking about direction. Next week, Pastor Chuck is talking about practical, practical decisions. So immediately when I think of direction, I think of, I think of maps. I think of maps. Y'all remember maps? Y'all remember those things that were actually pieces of paper that had lines and color code? Do y'all remember those? No, no. So first service, we've got, you know, tons of teenagers right in the middle. And so I'm describing maps and they're like, huh, what is that? <laughs> When I was a kid, we had all kinds of maps in our car. I mean, we had tons of maps. My dad uh, would love to stop at every rest area when we're traveling because in rest areas, I don't know if they still do it or not, but they used to give out free maps. I don't know if they still do that. Do any of y'all know? Do y'all pick up free maps? Yes, yes. So some of you are saying yes. And so we'd be traveling somewhere. We'd go to Alabama, Mississippi, wherever we're traveling. We'd stop at the Welcome Center. We'd go in, we'd get the free map. Do you remember those maps? You know what I'm talking about? They're like this big when they're folded up. But then we'd get in the car, we'd start unfolding this thing. And before you know it, it's bigger than your car. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? Giant, giant map. And so my dad was always a little bit nerdy. So he had the pocket protector, nobody laughing. Why are you laughing? Nobody pointing at the person next to you. And there's some of those. Anyway, so he would have in his front pocket, he always had pieces of paper to walk right on. He had a pen, a pencil, a highlighter. And then usually if we'd eaten somewhere, he had whatever was left over in his pocket. He didn't want to throw anything away. So ketchup packets, jelly, if it was breakfast, you know, like he was fully loaded, ready to go, right? So we'd get in the car and he'd pull out that highlighter. And so we'd open the giant map and we'd, we'd pick where we're at. So we're on the state line right here. And then we'd find where we're going. We'd put a mark there and then we'd take that highlighter and we'd draw the line all the way across. And as a kid, I loved that. I was like, Ford, do you still do that? Driving trucks, do you still do, do the paper map a little? Yeah, so we had the paper map working for us. And so that, that's how we found direction. Now, pretty much everybody has what? GPS. So everybody has essentially used GPS. Sometimes we actually have them on our what? On our, on our phones. And so GPSs are amazing. So GPS, you, you don't even need a paper map. Uh, just last week, somebody was like, hey, do you need directions? I'm like, no, I've got it right on my phone. I could just type in the address or often if it's a business, you don't even have to know the, the address. You just type in the name of the business, you click it. It gives you step-by-step step how to get there. And I remember when GPSs only showed you the picture, but now they actually talk to you, right? 
So you punch it in and it starts yelling at you sometimes. It's like, all right, in 0.2 miles, hang it right. All right, thanks. And stay straight for 3.1 miles. And, and, and then it starts talking to you. And then what happens if you don't make the right turn? You've heard that a few times, haven't you, Ann? <laughs> right? That's conviction. Recalculate, recalculate, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. In fact, right after the service, uh, I'm heading to a wedding in Monroe, Georgia. So a, a young couple that's been coming to our young adult uh, Bible study, they're getting married today at two o'clock. And so I'm like, all right, can we make it? Can we make it? And so I punched it in the GPS this morning. It's like 56 minutes and it tells us exactly how to get there. And so I was thinking about it. All right, what gift are we gonna get Corey and Rachel? What gift could we give them for their wedding? And since I was already thinking about GPSs, I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if you could give the husband a marriage GPS? Wouldn't that be cool? Get a little guidance, right? You turn it on, today is your anniversary, buy flowers. On this date, this is when you first went on your first date. Buy a sweet card, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be helpful? The problem is, is we guys, we don't often listen to the GPS or we don't always interpret it correctly. Can you imagine if the GPS, the marriage GPS is like, uh, comment on her hair. And so as a guy, we're a little bit clueless. And so instead of reading that correctly, we're like, what's the deal with your hair today? <laughs> recalculating, 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 right? So uh, GPS is great, right? GPS is great. A couple of years ago, I was, I was preaching a wedding in Starkville, Mississippi. So I had these friends that I grew up with and they were getting married on campus at Mississippi State. So they asked me to do their wedding. And so I was driving from Georgia over to Mississippi and I grew up most of my life in Mississippi. So I'm thinking this is an easy ride. So I go ahead and punch it in the GPS. I'm tracking along, doing great through Georgia, doing great through Alabama until I stopped at a pilot's truck stop. And this is a little side note. If you've got to stop at a truck stop to get coffee, pilot has the best truck stop coffee. And even if you're not a coffee drinker, they've always got the ads with all the fake leather products on sale. I love that, but maybe that's just me, pray for me. And so I stopped at the pilot and then I got back on the road heading to Starkville and my GPS started yelling at me, recalculating, recalculating. I'm like, oh, whatever, it just lost its signal. Keep driving, keep driving. Recalculating, recalculating, make a U-turn, make a U-turn. And so finally I did what most of us guys do. I turned it off. I turned it off. So I kept driving, kept driving, kept driving, thinking I'm about there, about there, about there. Turns out I'm going the wrong direction. So it was one of those entrances that like curls around a million times. So it doesn't really make sense when you're looking at it from the road. And so I'm driving an hour the wrong direction. And so I'm like, am I gonna make it? Am I gonna miss this wedding? It's like, can they FaceTime me in, right? What are the options? And because I, was going the wrong direction, I almost missed my destination. And that's where I wanna to start today. What I wanna start by saying today is as we talk about direction and decisions today, those have to go hand in hand. Our lives are made up of the decisions we make. We could have this great idea of where we wanna be. I wanna be in Starkville, Mississippi. But if I'm not making decisions that are going in the right direction, I'm never gonna make it. And that's not just true of GPSs, that's true in everyday life. Our lives are the sum total of the decisions that we make. And here's what happens is so often we categorize decisions. We think some decisions are bigger than others. We think some decisions are a bigger deal than others. And so some decisions we, we seek God on. 
Some decisions we say, God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to respond? God, what is it that you want me to do? And oftentimes we have that category, but then there's a lot of stuff we think I can figure it out myself. But here's what I've learned from my own experience. It's that it's dangerous. Sometimes it's just flat out destructive to make decisions without seeking God's direction. If you have your Bibles, I'm gonna invite you to follow along or if you have the app and you wanna jump in the resource tab there and follow along in the sermon notes or the slides or, or, or however you wanna follow along, but I wanna invite you to find Joshua chapter nine. Joshua chapter nine is one of my favorite stories in scripture because it gives me some hope. Joshua, if you don't know the background, is an amazing leader. Joshua became the leader after he followed his model, the, his predecessor, a guy named Moses. So Joshua grew up seeing Moses make major decisions. Joshua grew up watching Moses follow God's direction. So Joshua, when he becomes the leader in Joshua chapter one, he, he's a great leader. Essentially what God says to Joshua, Joshua, we're going into the promised land. God, Joshua, this is the land that I've been promising the nation of Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so he says to Joshua, Joshua, you're to be my leader. You're to be the guy that takes the people of God into this place, the promised land. But Joshua, when you go in there, there's gonna be enemies there. Joshua, when you go in there, there's gonna be some godless people that hate God, that hate the things of God. They're, they're at the core of their life, they're corrupt. Joshua, I've given them time to repent. Joshua, for over four generations, I've given them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for them to turn to me, for them to trust me, for them to turn from their wickedness and turn to me. But Joshua, I'm telling you, they're hard-hearted. They will not turn around. And so Joshua, when you go into this land, when you establish this place, when you go into this land, I'm giving you because they're godless, because they're corrupt, because they are hard-hearted, you've got to push them, you've got to get them out out of the land. So that was the clear instruction. Joshua, I'm about to do something great. I'm about to take you into the promised land. I'm about to take you into this place where you're gonna experience my will like you've never seen before. But when you go in there, watch out, the enemy lives there. When you go in there, watch out, these God haters live there. And so to protect your nation, to protect your family, to protect your heart, you've got to push them out, to wipe them out, to get them out, leave no one there. And so when you start reading Joshua, he does that. I mean, God does amazing things. And Jericho, you remember the story of Jericho when the walls came what? We're not gonna sing the song this morning, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And so God does this amazing feat to, to, to defeat the people in Jericho. I mean, in Joshua chapter eight, he defeats some people called Ai. And so chapter after chapter after chapter, Joshua does great stuff. Joshua follows the direction of God. He makes decisions based on that direction until we get to chapter nine. In chapter nine, there are some people called the Gibeonites. The people called the Gibeonites, they live within the land. So technically they're the enemy. They're part of the people that are supposed to get pushed out, to get wiped out. They're part of the people that should be on Joshua's list to get out of the land. 
And so Joshua doesn't realize this. Joshua hasn't looked that far ahead. And so these people, the enemy, the Gibeonites realize they're hearing rumors. They're like, we've, he we've heard what Joshua has done in Jericho. We've heard what Joshua has done in Ai. We've heard all of the stuff that Joshua is doing. And so since we live in the land, we know we're next. We're somewhere on that list. And so they are like, what are we gonna do to be sure that we don't get wiped out? And so they gathered together, these Gibeonites, these enemy that should be wiped out, that should be pushed out, that are some of the people that God warned them about, they, they get the small crew together. They're like, how are we gonna keep living? How are we gonna make sure we're not pushed out or wiped out from this land? So they came up with this idea. They're like, didn't God just tell Joshua to only push out the people that live in the land? They're like, yeah, that was the rule is whoever lives there needs to get pushed out of there, needs to get wiped out of there. And so they, and somebody's like, well, what about people that don't live in the land? Well, God, God didn't say mess with those people. And so they came up with this idea. What if we go to Joshua and what if we tell Joshua, we don't live here? What if we go to Joshua and we, we, we say, look, we're not from here. We're from a far country. We've traveled a long way to get here. We don't live within this land. So Joshua, we're from a far distance away. So Joshua, would you make a covenant with us? Would you make a promise with us? Would you enter into an unbreakable contract with us to let us live? And listen to what happens in Joshua chapter nine. If you have your Bibles and you wanna follow along, look at this. If you have it in the app, I, I put these two verses in the notes on purpose, listen to what happens. They come to Joshua, they put on all this old clothes, they put on all of this, they bring all this old food. They come to Joshua and say, Joshua, would you let us live? And listen to verse 14, here's the man that has so far followed the direction of God and made proper decisions based on that direction. Here's the guy that so far has a great track record of doing what God told him to do, but listen to verse 14. So the men took some of their provisions their food, their sandals, their wineskins. So the men of, uh, of Joshua's men took some of their provisions and listen to this next phrase. And they did not ask counsel from the Lord. They didn't ask for permission. They didn't pause and ask for God's direction. So these guys show up, Joshua, would you let us live? Joshua, we're from a far country. Joshua, we've been traveling a long, long ways. Would you make a covenant with us? Would you make a contract with us? Would you make a commitment that you would protect us, you would provide for us, that you would defend us? And here's what it says in verse 14. And they did not ask counsel from the Lord. They didn't stop to get direction. They're like, we've got this. We've got this figured out. We don't need to stop. This isn't a big decision. There's some decisions we would stop and ask for God's permission, but this one we've got figured out. And it says at the end of verse 14, they did not ask permission from God, verse 15. And Joshua made peace with them and he made a covenant with them to let them live. Do you see the problem here? God said, I'm, I'm bringing you into this land, but there's evil people, there's corrupt people, there's godless people there that if you don't get rid of them, they're gonna bring corruption into your life. They're gonna be like a tumor that begins to grow. They're, 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 they're gonna spread and influence. So Joshua, you have to trust me. Joshua, you have to push them out. In the middle of this moment, Joshua says, I've got it. And he made a commitment with the enemy. Because anytime we make decisions without seeking direction, it becomes disastrous. Why is this a big deal? 
Because the truth is every single day we're making tons of decisions, whether it's where we work or the house that we live in or what we're gonna do with retirement or, or how we're gonna rear our kid. Every single day we're making tons and tons and tons of decisions. And I'm telling you, if we make decisions without seeking direction, we're asking for trouble. So if you've got something to write on, if you've got the little sermon notes page, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you, I'm gonna ask you to write down a couple reasons of why this is a big deal, why this is so dangerous. And reason number one, that this is so dangerous, number one, is because we're, we're easily tricked. We're easily tricked. We think I, I've got this figured out. That's the way Joshua was. Joshua was like, I, I, I've won the battle at Jericho. I've won the battle at AI. I've got this figured out. And what he doesn't realize is the people he's talking to, the people he's about to make a commitment to are the enemy that only live 20 miles away. And I think what happens so often in our lives, we think, well, I've got this figured out. I've got a pretty good track record. I've done pretty well for myself. I haven't had any major catastrophes Lately, in my decision-making, I haven't ignored the GPS for one hour and going the wrong direction. Lately, so I'm pretty good. I've got this figured out. I don't need help. But here's what happens is so often when we don't stop and ask for God's direction, when we don't stop to say, God, would you give me your insight? God, would you help me to know your heart? God, would you help me to know what it is you desire for me to do in my life, in my business, in my job, in my retirement, in, the, in my kids? Uh, when we don't stop and ask for his direction, what we end up doing is trusting what we can see instead of trusting what God knows to be true. And so what happens in verse four is it says uh, th their part, they acted with, with cunning and they went and they made provisions and they took worn out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins that were worn out and torn and mended with worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes and all their provisions were dry and crumbled. So they put on this costume to make it look like they were far away when the truth is they were the enemy right in front of them. And the truth is, is in our lives, if you're a Christ follower, there is an enemy. There's an enemy. You can call him Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the serpent, the deceiver. You can call him whatever you want to, but he's real. He's the enemy. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to make a commitment with him. He'd love nothing more than for you to, to side with him. He'd love nothing more to take what God is doing in your life and to cause you to make decisions that walk away from him. And so in our lives, I'm telling you, this is such a big deal. Why? Because number one, we're easily tricked. We fall for lies every single day. It looks good on the surface and it's not really. So number one, we're, we're easily tricked. And number two, the reason why this is a big deal is because we rely on our senses. We rely on what we can see. We rely on what we can feel. And so what you see in this passage is you see these people make lie after lie after lie after lie. I mean, they, they come to Joshua and they try to trick him by telling all these lies. I mean, I don't know if they had the soundtrack, if your lips are moving, your lips, anyway, so that's a, sorry. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's a lie, lie, lie. I can't sing, but anyway, so they make lie after lie after lie, look at verse six. It says, we've come from a distant country. Lie number one, we've come from a distant country. Is that true? No, they're only 25 miles away. Look at this next lie, look at verse nine. From a very distant country, we're your servants. Your servants have come, are they his servants? No, they're his enemy. 
Look down at verse 12. Here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food, the journey, the day that we set out for you. Verse 13, these are wineskins. They were new when we filled them, but now the burst and these garments and our sandals, they are worn out from a very long journey. They tell lie after lie after lie. And I'm telling you, so often in our lives, our decisions are dressed up like that. Our decisions seem obvious. Our decisions seem like, well, of course I know what I'm supposed to do. When I look at this package on paper, when I listen to this offer from this real, when when, when I look at this with what I can see and what I can feel, oftentimes we overestimate our ability to see what's going on. And I'm telling you, unless we seek direction, we make dangerous, dangerous decisions. Joshua's like, yep. I can see your sandals are worn out. Yep, I can see your food's crumbly. Yep, I can see, I can see that your wineskins have been torn and mended. I can tell you've been on a long journey and I'm telling you, he relied on what he could see and feel. This is dangerous. Because any one of us, if Joshua could do it, any one of us could. If Joshua could, could be easily tricked, any one of us could. If Joshua could rely on what he could see and feel, any one of us could. Here's the third one. Here's the third danger in all of this is we ignore the red flags. We ignore the red flags. What do I mean by that? I mean the warning signs. There's warning signs. And so here's what happens in verse seven. It says, but the men of Israel said to those people, perhaps you live among us. All right, something fishy's going on here. Maybe this isn't as it appears. Something's not right. And so the nation, these guys, some of Joshua's followers say, perhaps they're living among us. How can we make a covenant with them? And even though they're warning Joshua, even though they're saying, Joshua, watch out, watch out, watch out. Joshua rushes ahead and he makes a covenant with the enemy. He ignores the warning signs. And I'm telling you, I've seen that in my own life where God's used warning signs. One of the warning signs he's used is wise counsel in my life. And I've been so fortunate God's placed Pastor Chuck in my life. There's been group leaders in my life. There's, there's one guy, I was looking at his Facebook page yesterday that was my discipleship group leader when I was in the sixth grade. God's placed people in my life. God's placed groups in my life. God's placed wise counsel in my life. People like Dr. Ron in my life. And what happens too often is sometimes we'll listen to what they say, but if we're not careful, we ignore their warnings. Maybe it's not one of those people. Maybe for you, it's a parent. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's somebody that has known you a long, long time and they warn you. They're like, hey, watch out. That looks good on the surface, but be careful. And sometimes what happens for us when we don't seek direction is we ignore the warnings. You know what happens for Joshua? He gets tricked. You know what happens for Joshua? He bases his decision on what he can see and feel. You know what happens for Joshua? Even though his men are saying, watch out, watch out. What if these guys are the enemy? Joshua rushes ahead. He makes a covenant with them and he finds out just a few verses later that they are the enemy. And so Joshua made a covenant. It was an unending agreement. It was a binding agreement. It was something he could not back out on. And so what happens in the very next chapter, the enemy shows up. So the rest of the enemy shows up. They hear about the alignment with the people of Gideon, of Gibeon with Joshua. And so they, they, they see them as the enemy. And, the, and so five kings decide we're gonna kill those people. And they send a, a, a cry for help to Joshua. Joshua, you made a covenant with us. Joshua, you said you would let us live. Now would you come and defend us? And here's what happens for Joshua. 
he ends up fighting a battle he was never intended to fight. They deplete his resources. They, they, they take some of his manpower. He ends up having to defend the very people he was supposed to wipe out. And what happens in our own lives is so often we don't seek direction. And so we start making decision after decision after decision. And we end up fighting battles that we were never, ever intended to fight. It becomes drama. It, it takes up our energy. It takes up our emotion. It creates friction in our lives. We see it on the back end. We're like, man, if I had known that, I would have made a different decision. And here's the word today is before we make decisions, we must seek direction. So what's the answer? If this is so negative, what's the answer to all of this? The answer is simply this, if you want to write it down, is we must seek direction from Scripture. We must seek direction from Scripture. God uses godly people in our lives. God uses His Holy Spirit in our lives. And I believe that God uses His Word to help us to know His heart for us to experience his ways, for us to know what his will is. And so instead of making decisions that we would pause and we would say, God, I want to get direction. So let me give you a practical way to do this. If you're taking notes and wanna write these down, if you wanna download them from the app, or these questions will actually be on our Facebook page here in about 20, 30 minutes. But I wanna give you five questions to ask as you read scripture to say, God, I want to seek your direction. See, what happens for so often is we jump into scripture, we read a verse and we move on, or we read a chapter and we move on. And the way that we seek direction is by saying, God, I want to get these words off the page and into my heart. And the way that you do that is by interacting with scripture. So here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Some of you have been reading the daily devotions. Those are based off Oswald Chambers' utmost first highest. So if you've been using those devotions, at the top of every devotion is a verse I would encourage you to read the whole chapter that that verse is in and ask these five questions. Others of you have been doing the four by 40 daily prayer. So if you're doing that, we've got a few days left in four by 40. Those also open with a verse. I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter that verse is in. Or maybe some of you are, are, are reading the daily verses that we have under the resource tab. Basically, we have a proverb a day. And so today you're reading Proverbs chapter 24. I would encourage you to read that chapter in light of these five questions. Question number one that I would love for you to ask as you're reading scripture is, number one, is there a command for me to obey? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there something clear in here that I need to know and need to do something with? Is there a command to obey? Question number two, is there a promise for me to carry with me? Is there a promise for me to carry with me? Just between services, I was in the meet and greet room. I got to talk to a sweet, sweet lady who is struggling with what she knows to be true and how she feels. And so we opened scripture together and we looked at Romans 5 and Romans 10. And basically the challenge was, do I believe this promise to be true? Do I believe what the scripture says, who I am in Christ? So question number two, is there a promise to claim? Question number three, is there a sin that I need to avoid? Is there a warning sign, a red flag? Is there a sin that I need to avoid? Question number four, is there a lesson I need to learn? For instance, when I'm reading Joshua 9, the lesson I walk away with is before making decisions, I need to stop and ask God's permission. I need to seek direction. Is there, is there a lesson I need to learn? 
And then the last question is, is there a new truth I need to carry with me? Is there a new truth? See, sometimes you may just ask one of those questions and you may get stuck there and you may just spend all of your time there. Sometimes it may be several of the questions you work with, but here's what I wanna encourage you. Before we make decisions, we gotta seek direction. And the number one place to seek direction is through the word of God. We believe the Bible is a big deal. And so instead of just picking random verses and instead of randomly just looking at it to ask these questions and say, God, would you help me to learn what you'd have me to learn so that I can do what you'd have me to do? Would you pray with me this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray for what God is doing in us and through us in this moment. A little later today, those five questions will be available on Facebook and they're also available through a link in the sermon message notes that are in the app. But the, the link is a PDF that you can print out and you could literally print out a page per day and use it and fill it out and say, God, I don't wanna make decisions without seeking your direction. God, my prayer today is that you would help us to not rush ahead Help us to not get so worked up in the moment that we would forget that your thoughts are not our thoughts. Help us not forget that your ways are higher than our ways. God, would you help us not rush ahead? Help us to pause and seek direction. We know that you're the perfect heavenly father that loves his children. We know that you sent your son to save us and to give us new life. Help us to make decisions in light of your direction. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.